the Girl Choice Life podcast where we show you that women are capable of absolutely incredible things with the right tools, strategies, and mindset in place. I'm your host, Victoria Smith. I'm a stress reduction coach all about helping you reduce your stress so you can actually enjoy your daily life. Now, (laughs) I'm recording this intro on March 18th at like 5.30 in the morning while my kids are sleeping uh, because this is my new shift from uh, working from home while our kids are at home. And while I know I can't hear what you're saying back, um, how are you doing? (laughs) Wow, how much the world has changed in a week, huh? It's, um, it's a little unbelievable, but I I just want everyone listening to remember that like by self-isolating, by doing social distancing, by working from home when you can, you are doing the right thing. You are helping prevent the spread of this virus or you're helping to slow it down so that our healthcare workers don't get overwhelmed. And I know that it's hard. Like I want to be super crystal clear. I know that this is hard. I know that it hits so many of you financially. It hits my household financially, right? Like my husband uh, was temporarily laid off yesterday. So this is going to feel stressful for a while, right? Now, I did a bonus episode this past weekend on how to help manage your stress during COVID-19 and self-isolation and everything. Check it out. Like, I don't have the time before this episode to sort of go into a lot of those details. All I'll say is that your habits right now are going to be your cornerstone. Your habits will help be an anchor as you go through these hard times. So yes, I know like hearing people say, move your body, get fresh air, keep a routine can sound really annoying. I get that, but it will help you through this. And I don't say this lightly. Like I I do genuinely want you to understand, like I am feeling a lot of stress going through this, but I'm doing what I can to manage that stress, right? Because it's not good for me. It's not good for my kids. It's, it's, It's unavoidable. You know, I always say life isn't without stress. It's unavoidable that we're going to experience stress, but how can we help manage it so that it doesn't like completely immobilize us, right? Okay, so with that in mind, it's funny that we're talking a little bit about self-care today. So today on the podcast, we're joined by Amanda Muse. Amanda's an... don't know how I came across or which video of hers I came across first on YouTube, but she's been doing YouTube for about eight years. She is a YouTuber. She's on social media. She's got an incredible Instagram account, and she also has a fantastic podcast, which I absolutely love called The Sandwich. Now, Amanda's had a really interesting life. She lived uh, overseas with her husband, who was a pilot, had both of her babies overseas. You know, being a parent in a foreign country, I think, is quite a a really interesting experience. And and we have a great conversation about how she manages that. Also, how she manages solo parenting. So not... Not single parenting, but solo parenting. So for those of you who have partners that are away often or who work shift work, so you're often the primary parent at home, it's a really interesting conversation. We talk about age gap relationships. Her and her husband are 15 years apart and what that's going to look like when they approach, when Dean approaches retirement. Uh, We also talk about what self-care looks like at different stages in your life, right? So when you have young kids, like I have young kids right now, it looks different to when they're a little bit older. So how she sort of manages self-care at each of those stages. And it's funny, we talk about what you do when curveballs are thrown your way. Now, funnily enough, uh, when we were recording this, there had been a bunch of teacher strikes in Ontario. So Amanda's kids had been home with her for quite some time and she works from home. So it's quite a challenge to manage that. And then here we are in this COVID-19 world where we're all being thrown the mother of all curveballs of having our kids at home while we try and work at home and what that's going to look like. So kind of pretty relevant. Uh, We talk about kind of what goes on and behind the scenes in the life of a YouTuber. And we also talk about uh, Amanda's experience with sexual assault and how she over overcame that and has worked through the trauma of that and the tangible things that she did to manage that stress. So it's a really fulsome conversation. I absolutely adored talking with Amanda. She's fabulous. You feel like you know her, particularly if you followed her on YouTube for some time. So I think you're really going to enjoy it. 
Now, the Girl Tries Life podcast is a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, which is powered by ATB. So this particular episode is brought to you by Park Power, a provider of electricity and natural gas in Alberta that offers low rates, awesome service, and profit sharing with local charities. Now, in Alberta, you get to choose where you buy your energy from, and Park Power has low overhead, and chances are that you'll save money if you switch. I know, especially for people who are... <laughs> with everything going on in the world trying to save some extra money check out parkpower.ca to see if you can save some money on your electricity bill you can find out how much money you would save by visiting parkpower.ca and plugging your numbers into the alberta energy savings calculator if you decide to switch it's easy nothing changes about your service only the price you pay so again i know we're all trying to save a little bit of money while we're going through these tough times so check out parkpower.ca now I think we could all use a little lightness in the world right now, just a little fun. Uh, so one of my favorite podcasts in the Alberta Podcast Network is called Repodcasting. It's where the hosts Janet and Lucia, they recast your favorite and not so favorite movies with uh, with different actors and talk about what that would look like and who would be a better part of that role. Um, one of my favorite episodes, it's kind of more a Halloween theme, but I recommend you go back, is uh, episode number 25 when they recast Hocus Pocus, because I feel like that is just such a classic movie for my generation. So I would uh, I would check that out. Okay, well, without further ado, we're going to get into the episode with Amanda. Thank you so much. And uh, my last send off to you is just take care. Okay, into the interview. Well, thank you so much, Amanda, for joining me on the Girl Tries Life podcast. I'm really pumped to have you here. I am excited to be here finally. This has been a while in the making. It happened. That's all that matters. We both have small children and businesses and lives. I get it. Exactly. Well, as I was just saying, I think it's it's funny because I feel like I know you based on all the podcasts and the YouTube videos and following you on, on Instagram. And that must be a regular thing you hear from people you meet. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's it's almost like, and when people ask me, like close to me, people, friends and family, I'm like, you just kind of get into the headspace that you just assume that these, you know, that everyone's caught up. And we're like, we're just going to start from today. I don't need to explain too much because everyone's been here for a bit. So I actually don't mind it. It's pretty fun. Yeah. Well, so it's funny. I think I only discovered you a year ago and I can't remember how, I don't know how it happened, uh, but you came into my life and I'm very happy for it. But I kind of want to rewind for the folks that don't know you. You are... You are a YouTuber, you're a podcaster, you're a mom of two kiddos. Let's rewind to how YouTube came to be. How did that start for you? Right. Okay, so I started on YouTube in 2012. And at the time, like people were creating these channels and these communities, but like we didn't know that that's what they were doing, you know? Um, like I remember you used to have to be very like almost explain what subscribing meant like click the button and that means you'll see my videos. And it's because nobody knew what we were building then. And I had found myself, so here I was, so I'm a Canadian and I was living in Malaysia at the time and I had just had a baby. So my daughter was six months old and I had been watching all of these creators and well, I didn't know they were creators, but I was watching all of these people on their channels and I found myself kept like I kept coming back to the same people and it felt like a friend you know here I was in this rather isolating place in a time of life that can be pretty isolating in those early you know mom days early motherhood days and I thought to myself like okay this is an interesting time of life here I am starting babies in Southeast Asia doing this expat thing and I'm pretty comfortable on camera ish, although looking back, it did not look comfortable. But I, I then I then just picked up a camera and I was like, you know what? I'm going to start doing this. I don't know where this is going to go or what this will grow into, but like, I really want to share some of these, you know, these moments of my life with other women. And then the other piece of that is that something that was inspiring me to really share my journey through motherhood is that I didn't have the type of, you know, entry ticket to mom life that was like, oh, everything went according to plan. And you had that birth that went according to plan. It was like, it was a ride. Um, and I felt like if I felt like that, there's got to be others feeling like that. And how can I maybe be this little beacon of light that like things will get easier as you go? So that's kind of where it all started. So you talk about like that birth being a ride. What happened? 
So I was in Penang, Malaysia with the pioneer of water birth in Malaysia, like one dude doing water birth. He was amazing. Oh my God. Dr. Narinder. I love him. I literally wept when I left Malaysia when I told him, but that's another story. Um, but basically he was like the water birth dude. I decided I was going to be that like mama earth. Uh, looking back, I'm like, oh girl. Uh, but I was going to be that like mama earth, have her baby in the water. It's going to go amazing. Well, that plan went out the window. I did attempt to water birth. I, I labored that child for like 22 hours. Um, yeah. And then at which point they did a bunch of things. There was a suction in there at one point and it was all unmedicated and it ultimately ended in a C-section, an emergency C-section. Oh, but it was so traumatic. You know, anyone who's experienced anything like that, I mean, you have to relinquish control. You don't know what's happening. Um, it was so traumatic. It took me a while to get back to who I was. And I really struggled with my confidence as a person, as a mom. And, uh, yeah, that was pretty, uh, that was pretty defining of a moment, you know, and thankfully came out of it. Second kid ended up being a C-section, but it was planned and it was healing. And it's amazing. Like when you do document your life like that and you see the transformation, you know, like how hard it was the first time, how healing it was the second time. And I think honestly, that is what, is so amazing about YouTube if you create like that is you have this village of people who are walking with you on this journey and it's kind of amazing. I love it. Oh, well, thank you for sharing that. And I, I hear you. I did not have the first birth that I was expecting, nor did I really have the second birth I was expecting, but childbirth is no joke, man. Honestly. And it's such a defining, I mean, if you're lucky enough to go through it, it changes you, right? Yeah. And it's like, a woman never forgets how she felt at the time that she delivered her children. And if it's traumatic, you don't forget that. And so that's been something I really want to share, you know, like you can recover from it in any way. Yeah. So you were mentioning you're in Malaysia. I think for a lot of people are like, how, where, why? But your husband, Dean, is a pilot. You were based out of Malaysia. How long were you there for? Okay. So he's been a pilot forever. And um, we've lived in a few different places. Like we lived in Vancouver for about five years. And he spent, you know, during that time, he worked in Taiwan. He worked in Korea, uh, mainland China. And then we moved to Malaysia. So it seems like this drastic move, like, oh my God, you're moving to Southeast Asia. But but he had been doing this, you know, Asian lifestyle for so long that it just seemed like an obvious switch. So he got this opportunity to take a left seat, which is a big deal when you're a pilot to get like captain. Um, and so we were able to pick up, well, I say it's so easy, right? You just sell everything you own and like move overseas. It's no big deal. And then we, yeah, we started a whole new life out of Malaysia and we were there for about four and a half years. Yeah. So both your kids were born there? Both were born there. I like my only regret is that I didn't do some like jungle baby photo shoot because that would have been hilarious, like just holding them in a banana leaf or something. Uh, but it was amazing. Yeah, it was. It seems scarier than I think it is because the cool thing is when you are living overseas, um, you tend to find other people who are foreigners who are expats living there as well and you like make instant friends so I had once I found them took a little took a little minute there uh, but once I found them it was this amazing community to tap into for women for camaraderie for support it was incredible but it's so it's interesting because you were talking about that isolation of being a new mom and I think no matter how strong your community is if you're in your home city if you're living somewhere else like it is so easy to feel isolated and then throw in a different country throw in a different language and and everything how, what was that transition like how who did you go to for support right Okay. So I clearly remember like when I first got there, it's funny my husband and I were just talking about this the other day. It's like I had had a, I had been working uh, as a, in an insurance company before I left Canada and it was a very high stress place. Like this is pre me too. It was like, there was a whole bunch of bad stuff going on there. Um, and I felt like I was almost detoxing from this workaholic, you know, lone wolf because I was living in Vancouver and Dean was commuting from Korea to Vancouver. So it was a very different life than, than we were, you know, about to now be with each other 24 seven. And then I went from this like high pace, high stress to stop, right? It was intense. I mean, it was, and so what did I do? I got a whole lot of massages. I uh, 
for like ten dollars honest to god it was incredible probably even less um i did a whole lot of swimming in the pool i would go to the gym but like i was just like you know what we're gonna chill here i did a little bit of travel um around malaysia and this and that um and it's funny because looking back on it there's so many things i do still right now with how i meet people but i remember getting my like a pedicure and i saw another girl who looked you know about my age she was a little younger and i thought I'm just going to talk to her because you don't see people who maybe want to hang out with me very often or people that spoke English. And and so I thought, I just have to start when I see people just go talk to them. And so I really got comfortable getting uncomfortable speaking to new people. And I just put myself in positions where I was like, this is going to be, I'm going to be nervous. I'm going to be sweaty, but I'm going to meet people, you know? And I went to a couple expat groups some of them weren't for me. I was like, oh, I need kids. I don't have any kids yet because I didn't have kids when I got there, you know? So it was a little tricky at first. And then I have to admit, like, it took a while to find my place. Now, I had lived in a few new places before, you know, just not so drastic. Like I'm from Montreal. I lived in Toronto. I lived in Vancouver. So I've done the new thing. So I kind of knew what to do there or like how to handle life kind of by yourself for a little bit, you know? Um, But eventually... Once I found my people, I just like kept tapping into them. And I think one of the things that helped me really get established there is that I didn't go home as much. So I only came back to Canada twice in the four and a half years, which is very little, you know, compared to what a lot of other folks do when they're doing these contracts overseas. A lot of people go back every six months, but I didn't for various reasons. But what happened is it really allowed me to connect with Penang as my home and like treat the friendships there like family and just really like, let's set some roots. Who knows how long this will be, but like we're here now. And it was hard. I cried a lot. Yeah. There was a lot, you know, there's a lot of like loneliness is, is a very painful feeling. And you know, it's funny as we're, as I'm telling you this story, I think a lot of the root of what I do is I realize how lonely people are, even when they're in their home country, surrounded by friends and family. And I feel like I want to reach out to people because that feeling is so painful. Yeah. And so that's something that, you know, I try to do is like connect with people in that way. Well, and what you were saying about just like getting uncomfortable and introducing yourself to people. I know people, I'm in Calgary, Alberta. Like I know plenty of people that are new to the city or they've changed from university to working life or working life to motherhood or whatnot. And you are in a new stage and you do need to meet new people. And so the same thing goes, right? Like just smile and say hi and see where, see what happens. It feels harder when you're an adult, but you got to take the step. And it's funny because I think that as an adult, so many of us are feeling like lonely or maybe we don't have the right friend group or whatever. Like even today I was at the gym and I was, did some heavy set weightlifting and I look over and there's a nice girl and I just, I didn't realize I was looking at her. And then I just, Oh, I'm like, Oh, sh- I'm looking at this woman. So I smiled. She smiled back and I was like, well, that was easy. You know what I mean? Like you just, you don't realize how easy it is and how much we just, we think about things too much. It's like, just say hi. You know, yeah. <laughs> oh, you're right. I've had people that are like, I'm so glad you said something because I wanted to say something, but I wouldn't. And it's like, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Well, I think that must, I think that sounds like a fantastic adventure. My husband and I backpacked Southeast Asia for three months before we had our first kid. It was like our last hurrah, and it was amazing. We never made it to Malaysia, but it's on the list. Oh, you know, it's funny because, like, so whereabouts did you go? I'm just curious. Uh, Thailand, Cambodia, Vietnam, and Laos. Okay. So, I mean, you've been to Cambodia. Like that is like, I felt like that place was like, like paused in time or something. Like, oh my God, it was beautiful. I feel like if you've been to Singapore, which is very like modern and fresh and everything, Malaysia's like a little bit behind that. Like it's just, it's like 1970s Singapore or something. It was incredible. Oh my God. It was so fun. Oh, that's awesome. So it's going to be a little bit of hopping around because I feel like I want to know specific things because I followed you for so long and I'm going to direct everyone to the show notes where they can find more descriptions on all these things through your videos. But you and Dean have an age gap relationship, which is how many of your viewers find you right? We do. It's true. It's true. Yeah. 15 years between us. Yeah. And it's what I find really interesting is that in your conversations together, the, it seems like the, 
stage that you're more thoughtful about is the retirement and what's to come. Like it's never been about sort of now and that makes total sense. You're, you love each other. You both are at the same point of wanting to raise kids and being active parents, but it's what's going to happen when Dean retires and you're still working and doing all of that. So what, what have those conversations been like? What is that going to look like? <laughs> usually involves me rolling my eyes and changing the subject let's be honest um it's funny it's a, it that is a tricky one because you're right like so I met Dean when I was 20 and we've been together it's like 16 years now so it, it just seems like it's just he's just my person like I don't really notice the age gap but you're right there has been lately more discussion about retirement and what that will look like um mostly probably from a place that I work from home and when Dean and I are home at the same time it's like hmm we need like separate living quarters you know like there's just like it's just too much of a good thing uh so I don't really know it's hard I I like to plan but I also am like very spontaneous and I also just think you just handle life as it comes so we do the normal things right like what are big stressors for people as they age the finances so try to get the finances in order um you know now that he's switched jobs like he's at a different airline at the moment it's like it changes the landscape like we always thought we would go back overseas at some point but now this job means no we're like rooted in Canada You've just rent out your office, so you can't go anywhere. <laughs> Heck no. You know that. I'm like, I'm not going nowhere. I'm staying in this house for a bit. So, you know, it's hard to say right now. It'll be really interesting to see how things play out. But I envision, should we both stay healthy, um, that we get to travel and do those kinds of lovely things. But I think a lot of it is trying to, you know, when you're having these discussions about retirement or aging, a lot of them are like rooted in fear, you know? And it's like, where can we like tackle the actual issue because I mean if we're lucky enough to get old and you know cranky that's awesome but not everybody gets that privilege and so I have a hard time looking too far ahead because I'm just like well it ain't, it ain't a guarantee so like we'll see it we'll cross that bridge when we get there maybe it's with a walker maybe it's not I don't know so you know it's like but it is a tricky one I don't even know how to answer it you know what I mean I'm like I don't know we'll deal with it later <laughs> well it's funny because it's as I'm thinking about it I'm like financially in some ways isn't it better because if you're both retiring at the same like if you were the mm -hmm. same age and you were retiring at the same age then you go from that income to living on the retirements and you guys get to stagger it in some ways exactly. so maybe that's financially way better better that's what I keep telling I'm like are you kidding me I am a workhorse I don't what would I do if I'm not working like I love what I do and I just think that there's like it's the the industry is switching and switching is changing and adapting and pivoting so much I just think that like who knows what will be happening at that point right um so yeah I'm not too worried about it I'm like calm down just drink your coffee I'll build you a little house in the backyard and I'll serve you lunch every now and then so it'll be fine that's great how long have you been doing YouTube then so it's my eight years. Yeah. Eight years this year. Because YouTube, time. oh, YouTube's had its 10th, 15th anniversary. I think you're right. It's been a while around for a while. I wish I had gotten in earlier, but like nobody knew what YouTube was then. It's like, I feel like that about everything. I'm like, I was late to blogging. I was late to podcasting, but it's like, you just got to do what you got to do when you want to do it. Honestly. Yeah. When you have the time to as well. Right. I can't believe that I started all of that with a six-month-old baby and then had another one. Sometimes I have to think about that and be like, oh my God, like that was intense and no help, you know? Like, So I have a theory about that. Okay. I have a theory that, because I started my podcast when my daughter had just, eh, when my son, one of them was small. I can't remember. <laughs> Mom brain, it's a thing. And, you know, I kept this weekly podcast going and people were like, how are you doing that? And I was like, well, for me, it's my self-care because like motherhood didn't come so naturally to me. So this made me feel revitalized and rejuvenated. Like what was that similar for you? You nailed it. That's totally it. Like it was, I don't want to say like an escape, but it kind of was. I was like, oh my God, yes. Because I, in my previous careers, I was always one of these people like started from the bottom, worked your way up. You know what I mean? And I just work and work and work. And I love that feeling of success and accomplishment. And so when I found this thing, like I didn't know how to edit. I didn't know how to use like a camera. You know, I taught myself all of that with a baby in a sling bouncing on an exercise ball at the kitchen table with my husband giving me side eye like, 
what are you doing? You know, because influencer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That word wasn't even a word then. It was like, what What exactly are you? I remember the first time I heard the word content creator, I was like, oh my God, that is what I do. You know, like it's so funny when you, when a hobby becomes a job. Um, yeah, but it certainly was something I looked forward to. Like I just, I would rather have done that for two hours than go to bed. You know, it was like, what a love. And then you feel this sense of accomplishment because then you post it and it, you know, it, it's relatable to people and they engage with you and you're like, wow, that was really fun. Let's do that again. You know, and you keep, you kind of want that little high of that connection with people. It was pretty cool. And would you say like it was a slow, steady growth? Like, I think a lot of people are like, I'll just put a video on YouTube and I'll get like 10,000, whatever. Right. No, it, I, Dean always laughs and says, you're just like that little engine that just, that could, you know, it keeps going and going. I've never had the type of viral success. Like I do have a video that's like at 3 million views or something or a couple of them. It, you know, it, it sounds like, oh my God, but it, it didn't change the game really. I mean, it was a cute baby and people love babies and kittens and dogs and stuff. Right. So, um, but I found like the key to my success was that I kept showing up. So even if it was like, I remember just getting like 35 views and then that turned into like a hundred and then, you know, certain videos go up to 200,000 and you're like, oh my God, that really connected with you. But, but you just don't know what's going to resonate with people. And I think like where people might be getting it wrong is that as you're creating, if it's not coming from a place of passion and like, this is what you feel connected and this is the message you want to share when you, when you aren't getting the views, it's very like it hurts because you're like, what am I doing wrong? And then maybe you start jumping around too much, trying to figure out different content. And I'm going to copy that video because that one did well, but you never know what the secret sauce is. Right. And I feel like when you're excited and passionate, you just keep going and you keep trucking and you keep showing up and then people start showing up for you. And I remember it was something like last fall or the first time we tried to connect and it was a hard fall um and I was like panicking like I couldn't get my content out and I'm like how like I'm seven years in I should know how to do this you know and somebody said to me like we'll just show up when you post you know and it was like whether it's Tuesday or Friday I don't it doesn't really matter you know we'll just we'll be here for you when you're ready and I thought right like I'm just a person and they're people and we're just trying to connect and so yeah oh I love it so on the self-care piece, one mm-hmm. of the reasons I connect with you so much is because you talk about um, these different stages and just like mm-hmm. accepting what it is, when it is, and do what you can, right? Because I'm, so my my son, Jack, I have a Jack, is uh, just over four, and my daughter, Anna, is uh, 21 months, second child syndrome, I'm not entirely sure. <laughs> and so I'm in some ways, there's still that like, you know, both of them woke up in the night last night, so you, some days you're sleeping deprived some days you're not and it's kind of accepting what you can do for self-care when so how has your self-care journey changed as they've aged oh it gets so much easier I swear and you know people always tell you that and you're like yeah yeah whatever I'm in the thick of it right now it's hard to see what's coming so I would say like when they were small self-care like we said you know was a lot of this like let me edit a YouTube video for two hours took me a lot longer then uh but you know let me sit there and edit or let me respond to comments or it looked like a nice hot shower or getting my hair blow dried at the mall or a pedicure or a manicure like never all three at once you pick one thing and you'd go do that so it looked like that but it was you know, it was not the easiest though. Like I hate saying, oh, everyone just like gave me a green pat, like a free, you know, green light, go take this time for yourself. No, a lot of it was like fighting with my husband. Like I am leaving to the mall. Goodbye. You know, like I'll see you in an hour or paying a babysitter when he wasn't around or like really making a, a top priority because I felt like I, well, you just know, you know, if you burn out, the, everything crumbles, you know, as like the mama, especially if you're you're the one doing the night feedings and getting everyone up at night and the breastfeeding and everything. It's like, it's intense, man. So that was like early days. And then I feel like once you start getting a little bit of time, you come back to the things you enjoyed pre-babies, right? So like I always enjoyed being fit and physical and like moving my body. It was trickier when I was in Malaysia because like the heat and me is a lot, you know, like, you know, you made that face. It's true. Like I, you know, I remember swimming in the middle of the day and people like locals being like, girl, are you crazy? It's like primo hot time of the day and you're in the pool. Like you're nuts. So I had to like switch how I did things. So I would go for like early morning walks 
in like the little botanical gardens or evening walks, you know, and like you couldn't be out midday. And then, you know, maybe when the baby slept, I would like watch a show I liked, you know, so it looked a little different now that the kids are both in school and I have more like office hours that I can kind of function within. I have made it part of my day to go to the gym because I really like to go to the gym. And so that's part of my self-care. I really work on the guilt when I need to work and I can't be present with my kids because as you know, as you're building this kind of stuff, they're going to be around if they're not in daycare or they're not at school. And sometimes it's like, I'm sorry, I'm closing the door for an hour. I've bought you guys amazing iPads. You have cable, like peace out for an hour. You know what I mean? Like I'll be back as long as no one's bleeding. You know, your eyes are all in the same place you're supposed to be. We're good. So I feel like for me, it's constantly like navigating that that guilt piece. And then where it comes out in the negative is like, I tend to lash out at the husband if I'm feeling overwhelmed. Like, even though he's like, you're good, go work. I still feel like, did I sense an attitude? Was there a side eye? You know, like it's, nothing's perfect. And like, you know, you're trying to balance it all. So I really, I have to admit, like I fight and claw for like my time. And sometimes it's putting it in the schedule and just saying goodbye to the family as I head to the gym but I really really fight to have that time because it makes me a better person for sure well and it's it's funny that you feel that we all feel guilt over Mm -hmm. it right because you've talked about solo parenting not single parenting but you're you're you know Dean buff flying and doing other uh, you know doing his job and will be gone for days at a time kind of thing so if you're looking from the outside looking in, it's like, well, you've got all those hours in the bank of being the solo parent. So you shouldn't feel guilty for taking that time. And yet as women and as mama bears, we do. Mm -hmm. We do. I also think like, excuse me. I also think it's, it's tricky when your job doesn't look like a job, right? Like I have way too much fun doing what I do. Um, and sometimes people forget that like, oh yeah, you know, maybe the husband doesn't see that after everybody went to bed, I stayed awake for three hours to finish a deadline. Or, you know, I am like, I'd look like I'm watching something fun on my phone, but really I'm responding to comments and I'm in the DMs for like an hour. So it's fun, but it's also part of my job. And that's something I'm constantly struggling with is like, I have a very supportive partner and family, but it doesn't always look like work. I constantly feel like I have to like defend myself. Like, no, I just did that for two hours. Now I get an hour at the gym and it's, it's not, it's not something we've totally perfected and it's still a work in progress, but it's better than it was. That's for sure. Well, and I think it's also a struggle when most of your work is from home, right? Like so right. It's the blurry line. So it's great that you have the office where it's like, this is the dedicated space, close the door. And then a lot of people that I work with, like they struggle because their office is their kitchen table or it's whatever. So it's the, the lines are even more blurred. Well, and to add to that, that's like, that's actually, so I always get a little seasonal depression, um, which kicks in October. I'm going to be better next year or this year. That's for sure. But what I found, what compounded it is I did not have a designated space. So as you mentioned, like my office is done. So we had, we had just bought a house in the summer and there was a room above the garage that we were working on slow and steady, but like the husband was the worker and he also has another job. So it took some time. Um, but I found, I was like, I don't have a place for myself. There's nowhere I can sit down. It's taking me like triple the amount of time to, to film a video because I got to like dig into the back room, find the equipment, blah, 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 you know? Um, and it was a lot. And so I get that, like that is extremely stressful. So now you're already on edge about the work thing. And then you know, Dean has actually mentioned in podcasts and various things, like he was not actually my biggest supporter for a long time because he was like, if you look at it, yes, he loves me. We all know that, blah, blah, blah. But you're also like two people trying to build a life together and two incomes are often better than none, you know, or one. And so for a while there, I wasn't generating any income. And he was like, what are you doing? Like, you're a worker. Like you could be doing so many other things and making great income. And I was like, just wait, you know, I'm going to make something of this. And I did. But like anybody starting a business, don't they say it often takes like five years to start making an income? Well, it took about that, you know? And so it's been a struggle. And, and now we kind of look back at that time and like, well, thank God we made it because that was rough. You know, I really felt like I was like walking that jungle by myself and everybody, like no one could see what I saw, but I was like, I'm doing this. Like I'm going to make something of this. So it was, it was, it was tricky. Yeah. I'm on month 11, so I can like so relate to yes. that. And I'm like, but it's the same thing, right? I was thinking to myself the other day, I'm like, I'm betting on me 
because I just see it and I know what it is, even if other people don't yet. Not Mm -hmm. like, and not like I am oblivious and not self-aware, but it's like, there's something here. Absolutely. Yeah. And you gotta, you gotta keep like fighting the good fight because especially if it's your passion and yeah, maybe it takes a back burner as you do something else and, you know, to take a little, you know, pressure off the fi- family financially or whatever. Um, but yeah, cause I was like, I just about hit the go button on getting my realtor's license because I was like, we're going to do this. Like I got to provide for the family. And then luckily another opportunity came up that worked out for this industry. So it was great, but yeah, it's tricky, man. It is tricky. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to briefly interrupt this interview to let you know that I've spoken to my co-creators of different programs. We have our Stress Less in 90 Days program and our Stress Less Mindfulness and Meditation. And I think we're going to be extending our sales right now because we want to make sure that everyone has the ability to access some stress reduction resources right now. Um, so our stress less in 90 days, so it's a three-month, 12-week program with tons of amazing resources all online. Uh, it's going to give you some strategies to man- really reduce your stress at any point, but now more than ever. And we're going to be adding some specific coronavirus-related re- material. That is usually $197. We have bumped that all the way down to $50, so it's 75% off. You can find that at stresslessladies.podia.com. Dot com. So the sale was supposed to go until March 22nd. I think we're going to extend it to the end of the month. Um, so check that out. Like I said, we're going to add some podia, uh, some coronavirus related uh, stress reduction strategies because I know how specific that is to what you're experiencing right now. And then if your mind is just going a little crazy right now, if you're feeling a little monkey bind and it just won't stop and you're really struggling sleeping, then I would check out our stressless mindfulness and meditation for the every day. So that's normally $69. It's down to $35. And that is a six-week self-led course as well. So it's something that you can easily access. Uh, We've got all these downloadable meditations in there for you. I think you're absolutely going to love it. Uh, Finally, I want to let you know that if you're like, no, I'm, I need something a little bit more hands-on. I'm real, real struggling here. I want to let you know that um, I am here for you in a one-to-one coaching scenario, if that is of interest to you. So I'm doing, um, I know 12 weeks is a huge commitment for a lot of people right now. So I'm doing a four pack of coaching sessions. These are all done virtually uh, over Google Hangouts or by phone or by Zoom. So you can literally be anywhere in the world and they're four 45 minute sessions and we will talk through and give you tangible strategies for for everything that you're struggling with stress-wise, right? And you'll have some action items for that week to help you focus and push through, right? Because I know how hard it is and sometimes the outside perspective and the outside coach can be super beneficial for this. Now, normally that sort of four pack of sessions would be around $500 given everything that's going on in the world right now. Like I said, I want everyone to be able to access this. So I've dropped that down to 275. So it's almost half off. Now I only have a limited number of spots for those just because it literally is my time. Um, so if you're interested in that, email me victoria at stresslessladies.com. So again, that's victoria at stresslessladies.com. And that 275, what that will be is for sessions together. Uh, you'll get curated resources that I'll provide for you. We'll make a self-care plan for you specific to you. And you'll also get free access to my Stressless at Work program, as well as any sort of coronavirus specific um, materials that we come up with at that time. Okay. So if that's of interest to you, again, just email me victoria at stresslessladies.com. Okay. Without further ado, let's head back into the interview with Amanda. So this is kind of switching gears into something a little Mm -hmm. more heavy. Um, You had shared a video I think was it a year or so ago now about mm. um, an experience that you had while shopping with your child of mm-hmm. experiencing sexual assault, yes. and I will send people to that video. I don't, I don't, I don't think it's necessary for you to relive that 
whole details of the experience. But I'm, I'm curious because so many women have been through an experience like that. What was your journey to recovery from that stress and trauma? Mm, okay. So the Coles notes, I don't mind talking about it. Actually, it's funny that you bring it up because I have a, sh- a story coming out on Instagram about this. I've teamed up with a great brand for a little campaign. And it's funny because even talking about it, a couple days before, a couple days after, I was a little triggered and I was like, ooh, there's still some wounds from that little spot. So essentially what happened is I was in, you know, a large department store with my kids wearing a cute little summer flowy dress uh, and I was upskirted. So a man took a photo of my dress, but he picked the wrong lady because um, I subsequently grabbed his phone, grabbed him by the scruff of his shirt um, and he didn't let him get away till he got arrested. Uh, and in the process of that experience, like screaming your head off in the middle of a store, uh, my husband was on the other side of the store, didn't know any of this was going down. I had to like tap into my community and my village and like women heard my screams, saw what I was going through, realized I had to walk away from my children. They stood with my kids. Like it was, there was a lot going on. So after all of that, you figure he's been arrested. Great, right? Like you can just like wash your hands of it. Mm-mm. So when you watch that video, there's a couple videos that come after. I do like, I speak of the assault. I then chop all my hair off. If that's not telling of when you've been through trauma, like you just want to rid yourself of something. So I went from a cute bob to a cute as heck pixie. I rocked them both, but I chopped off all my hair. Um, It was like a day later or something. And I didn't quite realize like, I knew I was in pain. So what happened is immediately my, my body like tensed up. So I had this like physical reaction. Is my thing. So basically the first thing that happened was this like physical response. So I had like the stress in the shoulders. You can actually hear it in my voice. Like it's like my throat closed. It felt like I couldn't get any air in. And like I ended up going like, I need something. I don't take medication. I hardly take Advil only if it's like dire. Um, and I thought like, I need something strong. (laughs) So this was 2017. And I was like, you couldn't get CBD back then. Like it was a little trickier. I couldn't get it in Canada post, but I ended up going to the hospital and I was like, I need something. And what ended up happening is the ER doctor who was a woman really did not treat me properly. Like she didn't want to acknowledge what had happened. She didn't want to acknowledge the severity of the assault that had just taken place and essentially told me to go home and take an Epsom salt tub. And I was like, okay, something I may not have mentioned, but I ended up uh, following up at the hospital and uh, made a huge complaint about how they treated me post-assault. And I said, you had a woman come in with non-visual pain, you know, from this experience. I wasn't punched in the face, but I had like... I was seriously traumatized from it and you couldn't figure out how to handle this or treat me better. And the hospital ended up changing how they um, handle claims that come in with people who have non-visual looking things. And to, cause the, the doctor basically said, I didn't want to re-trigger or re-traumatize her. But the fact is by not addressing the situation, it did. It didn't validate me, right? It filled me with shame. And I thought, oh my God, like, was this, did, did this even happen? So that was a good thing that came out of it. The person got arrested. I ended up going to my family doctor and got like a pretty heavy dose of, I think it was like Valium or something. Let me tell you, this girl can't do that. I took half of one. I knocked me out. But I finally got some sleep, you know? And I was like, okay. And then as the physical pain wore off, like I went to uh, see a... Um, a therapist. So I got recommended to uh, a sex therapy clinic that so they deal with like traumas, but also just people talking about sex and whatever. Um, ends up that that clinic does a whole lot of other stuff. And since then I've maintained my therapy sessions. And so I go there often. I just love, I love talk therapy. But at the time it was like an intense three sessions to talk about this experience. Um, and then I went to see a, a massage therapist because I was in in so much pain. Like I had basically held everything in my neck. And let me tell you, when you've had physical trauma like that and someone does massage therapy on you, the water works. Like I could not stop crying. And, And she was like, it's okay. You know, this happens when you've had this experience, you hold so much in your body. And what's great is that because I have the right support in my family with my husband and, and honestly online, it encouraged me to continue to look after myself and, 
and I ended up, you know, following up with the police and making sure that everything did go according to plan and, you know, staying with my talk therapy. So it was a very triggering experience. And the fact that like my kids witnessed it was a bit crappy. Um, but then I also had this, again, tapping into my audience. It was like, I had people say to me, but yeah, look, but look at like the message you showed your kids that like you do not take, be taken advantage of, you know, like you have a voice and you use it and you stand up for yourself. And they, you know, they still to this day are like, nobody messes with my mama, you know? Um, but it was a lot. Yeah. It was heavy, heavy. Well, and I imagine like, it, it seems obviously it's going to impact you for the rest of your life, but I mean, you know, creepy guys at the gym and like speaking up for yourself sooner than you might have before, maybe. Absolutely. Yeah. Like we had that, I was sharing on Instagram, there's a dude at the gym and he's gross and like winked at me. Ew. Like don't even, I mean, you need, you know, it's just bad form, dude. And it's not the type of gym where that stuff happens. I think the like average age is 53. Like it's not, it's not like a, you know, not that age is appropriate. Anyway, put my own foot in my mouth here, but you get what I'm saying. But it's like, but you're right. The gym management didn't say anything. And maybe because I've had that experience, I was like, not today. But, you know, it, it may have, you know, given me the confidence to speak up sooner than later. And so I did end up putting my finger in his face and kind of being a little aggressive. But whatever. He learned his lesson. And management also did something. They, st you know, stepped up to the plate and they let him know that if his, if he ever gets another complaint, like his membership is going to be canceled. And it's that simple. And I think that I, as, as painful and as uncomfortable as it is to stand up for yourself in those situations, it far outweighs not because if you like me felt uncomfortable I've had enough of these conversations to know that you're likely one of many that this person is making others feel uncomfortable um and even like in that store experience you know I, I mentioned this in the video but there was like the follow-up video I ended up going back to the store because I was like we're not going to not go to the store anymore like we're gonna walk through this uncomfortable experience and I'm gonna you know, make sure my life is not forever changed because of it. Impacted, but not changed, you know? And when I went in, I mean, the universe works in mysterious ways because the woman who had helped me that day in the store, oh, just happened to be standing by the door. And I was like, oh my God, hi. And we got to talking and she, long story short, said, what's wild about these experiences is they see these things all the time on the video camera, on like safety, security cameras. But more often than not, like most of the time, women will turn around, feel that something's weird, but not trust it, you know? And we need to trust that more. So if anything, by sharing my message, as painful as that was, weeping on YouTube, my God, um, I hope that it gave some people the confidence to stand up for themselves. Yeah. It's, I'm just seeing a theme kind of moving through all this of trusting your gut in general, right? Trusting your gut that you have this vision for your business, trusting your gut to stand up for yourself. Like it just seems to be such an integral part of how you live your life and how it would benefit many of us to live our lives. So I think that's great. I never saw it like that. It's nice when you can wrap it up, right? And be like, that's what it is. Yeah, it's, it's, it's hard to do, right? Like I still get nervous. You know, I still do things that are scary and you're like, oh my God, I can't do this, but you do it. And you're like, damn, I did it, you know, and you're so proud. Um, so yeah, I just, yeah, it's hard to do, but it's, it's, it's funny that it's hard to believe in ourselves that we can do this, right? And, but it takes some practice, but you can do it. You get there. I love it. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. I think it's super valuable for our listeners because unfortunately it's all too common. So it's nice to hear how you've gone through that and are on the other side of it in such a productive way. Of course. Thank you. So before we move into the five questions to wrap up, um, what new projects have you got on the go? What's, what's exciting in Amanda Muse world? What's exciting? Well, you know what I just did the other day that was very new, very exciting was um, I had a friend in town who happens to be a pretty big you know, creator and she's on this book tour and she'd asked me if I would open a show for her. And so I thought, oh my God, I said yes, but I didn't know if I was gonna be able to do it. Um, and it was a wild new experience to be speaking. Like I've spoken on a stage before, but it's always been industry related things how to build a YouTube channel, how to optimize, how to do podcasting, that stuff I could talk about with my eyes closed. But when you're up there trying to tell a story and connect with people in a different way that aren't in your industry, like they're just, you know, regular people trying to enjoy a show, that was new. So 
it was really fun. Um, and so I'm hoping to do more of those things, you know, speaking at conferences, keynoting, that type of stuff. But honestly, at the moment, my, my goals are not so much work related. Like I'm hoping to do a 10 K in the next few weeks. I've never done anything like that before. Um, and I'm really committed to my fitness, which sounds very like, oh, it's kind of boring, but you know, when you kind of drop the ball, on your own goals, it sort of speaks volumes to how you value yourself a little bit, at least to me. And so I th- I've realized lately that I'm, I took this quiz. There's this great podcast out there called Happier with Gretchen Rubin. Have you listened to that one? Yeah. It's really good. And so she does every now and then she'll do this, this thing. It's like, you can do a quiz to figure out like, what's your personality type when it comes to goal setting? And I realize I'm an obliger. So I will gladly make a goal to my audience and follow through. But when it's a personal goal, I'm like, meh, nobody knows about it. I'll just drop the ball. It's totally fine. Um, so I'm really looking to stay on top of my fitness because it makes me feel so good um, and start to look at those goals and feeling rewarded by that. And what's interesting is that in order to do that, I've actually really modified my output and how much I'm actually putting out into the internet. So, you know, it's it's funny. It's like you have to kind of, you can't do everything, right? Like I got to pull back a little bit, but it's not actually impacting my work, which is great. So it's, it's been good, but it's a lot of like really practicing what I preach about the self-care, the mental health, you know, managing your workload and setting some good fitness goals. So that's what's going on over here. I love it. Well, we can't wait to see you cross that finish line, <laughs> film part of it. It's going to be I great. And uh, anyone listening, you need an incredible keynote that speaks to the heart. This, this is your gal. There you go. See, putting yourself out there. Okay, so the final five that we always wrap up with, what are some of the things or the projects that get you fired up in a good way, personal, professional, otherwise? I love teaming up with brands that really encourage and champion women. So, I mean, I love all the brands. Helps me pay my mortgage, you know. Uh, But I just love, so I have a team that I work with that helps me get campaigns rolling as we say um and because I've worked with them for so long and they're just so good at what they do I get to work with fewer brands um in terms of like they you know pay appropriately and the brands that I do work with are just like incredible and doing amazing things and so I love doing the creative element which I was actually doing before this recording was sitting down and going okay here's a brand here's what they stand for here's what I stand for And how do we mesh the two in a way that's going to resonate with people and not just be like slap in your face ad, you know? So I I try to spend a lot of time doing that because it's, it's, it's like this, it's like this thing where I wouldn't get campaigns without my audience and without my audience, I wouldn't get campaigns. So they're both super important to me. And it's like really taking time to work hard, create good content that people want to keep watching and on that same vein, like constantly pivoting and tweaking as the industry switches around, you know? Um, like I love my podcast. I launched that just a couple of years ago, you know, because all of a sudden people were listening and, and consuming content differently. And I was like, well, wait, I love to do that too. And so I love challenging myself with new things. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Well, people should also go check out your podcast. We'll link to it in the show notes today. I just listened to the interview you did with Tova Lee, who's who you um, opened the show for. And it was such an incredible, it was a great conversation. So, oh, I'm glad you enjoyed it. Awesome. Yeah. What uh, is the most inspiring book that you've read in the past few years or listened Mm. to? Inspiring. You know what? I don't know if it's the most inspiring. I've said such a final word, God. But I really, really loved Three Women by Lisa Tadeo. Tadeo, did I say that properly? So this book is the first book that I've ever read where it talks about women's sexuality in a way that we've never kind of been exposed to before. So I feel like I sort of talked to this, touched on this a little bit with my episode with Tova, actually, which is that women know about sex and sexuality based on their interaction with men. Okay. So like how we relate to them. And this one is not that it's like three different stories and they're real stories. And she's a reporter. And it's just like, I just want everyone to read this book so we can talk about it. It's like, whoa, you know, like it was incredible the way it spoke about women over the years, our wants, our desires, how we ask for them. And this beautiful story about real women in the real world. So it was very, It's very inspiring. And I think at the end of it, the message was like, you know, 
just learning to be confident in who you are, getting rid of the shame and figuring how to walk that path and ask for things you want for. And it's not just related to the intimate side of our lives. It's that that plays into so many other facets, right? So it's really powerful. Yeah. Oh, I'm, I've, I've, I know I've seen it, so I'm going to have to go pick it up. Sounds good. good. The next on my Audible list. There you go. What are some of your, we've talked about the fitness, but your go-to strategies for handling stress. What else? I know children are stressful. We're just going to say it. And it's funny, they get a different type of stress as they get older, like, whoo. Um, okay, so I sort of mentioned it, but I love talk therapy. So I try to have one session a month. It seems to work for me, unless there's some harder things going on. Like I find in the fall, being a little bit proactive with the seasonal, I've never been diagnosed with seasonal depression, but I kind of sense that's what it is. Um, but I'll do a few more, you know, like double up my sessions during those dark, cold months. Um, but I like to do that. I also, you know, naturally will prioritize things that fall in within the self-care thing but I also make time for friendships um and like I'm not from the city I'm living in right now but I made the time to find people and I also am learning that it's so important for me to make time with them because I know we all have friends we all have people we can call right acquaintances good friends whatever text them here and there but like have you seen anyone for dinner in the last like three weeks and I notice when I don't do that I'm craving it and it starts to like seep through the cracks. And my husband, who's known me long enough naturally, will look at me and be like, dude, you need a girl's night. Like you need to get out of here. And sometimes that's like a Wednesday dinner, but it, it, it like resets me. And so prioritizing my friendships is huge in my life. Yeah. I just had a girl's night last night. We watched The Bachelor. Trash TV. We loved it. It was great. So good. It's so, And it's like all the little conversations that take place. And I mean, I don't know about your friends, but like I find we're all like each other's best hype girl. And you just, it's, and it doesn't have to include wine. You know, I'm not, a, I'm not a big, like you need to go out and get wasted. I, I'm getting too old for that. Have fun. Just talk, have donuts, whatever, you know. Ours included mini eggs. It was delightful. <laughs> I love it. What is the best life lesson you've learned or advice that you've been given? Hmm. The first thing that pops into my mind is when I was like very new into my relationship with Dean. This is the perks of like dating an older dude. They tend to have a little bit more life experience, right? Um, but I remember I was really struggling. So here I was, I, I, I was a flight attendant for a minute. That's how we met. Um, that was not the job for me. Uh, way too much work, way too little pay, not enough sleep. It was like, no, I don't, none of the things I enjoyed. Uh, but I ended up getting a job. So I was going back to school and I was um, working as a waitress and I was working in a barn, working in all these places. And I felt like I wasn't in the right place. And I think a lot of us can relate to that. Like you're, whether it's a job, family situation, career, whatever. And Dean said to me, you know what, babe? He's like, those are just scenery. It's just scenery and you're passing through. And that it really, I just used to stop. And when I would feel overwhelmed, I'd be like, it's just scenery. Like this isn't the last chapter, man. And I'm just passing through and they may stay there in chapter two forever, but I, I don't need to stay with them. And that really helped me ground myself and be like, you just keep going. You just keep on trucking, you know, like one foot in front of the other. So it really helped. Yeah. I'm just picturing the dory just keep swimming. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, this has been such a phenomenal conversation, but my final question for you, Amanda, is what does it mean to you to live your best life? Mm, to live my best life. I think that it is, you know, I, I feel like the word gratitude just comes into mind. I think anyone who's experienced life where there's been some strife, you know, like I don't have, or I didn't have the easiest dynamic with a certain family member growing up, which caused me to like run out of the house at 19 and start on my own. And there was some struggle. Um, but I feel like struggle is where the good stuff happens. You know, it's like when you have had that and you really, you start, you have to prioritize what's good, you know? So living my best life is when I'm having moments of overwhelm. Um, I have to sort of like check myself, you know, before I wreck myself kind of thing. Like girl, like, is it really that big of a deal that you've got three deadlines? Cause seven years ago, you didn't have this opportunity, you know, like you didn't have the chance to have three deadlines for the end of the day. It's okay. And I feel like by practicing gratitude and allowing myself 
to actually feel happy in small moments because you know there's always this like we know it we've seen the memes we've read the books it's like happiness is not a permanent state of being right it's like moments of it but when they happen I'm like I'm gonna sit here for a minute and enjoy this you know or like do a happy dance which you know I dance on Instagram but like literally take a moment to like just feel light and airy and and cheerful and smile genuinely even though in 20 minutes I could be yelling my head off at someone, you know, but like taking those moments. And I feel like that to me is living my best life where I get to do these things that actually bring me joy. It's like, how lucky is that? You know, I might've had a harder start, but I feel like this latter half is going pretty good. That's amazing. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm so glad it finally worked out.